Welcome, students, to Ghoulish University. Class is in session! <laughs> students and welcome to today's class here at Ghoulish University, the podcast where we study everything that is Tales from the Crypt. I am your host, Headmistress Logan, and joining me tonight is a very special new guest, our professor professor of library science. Uh, everybody, uh, this is Chris um, from the Mount Molehill podcast. Hello. Uh, welcome. welcome, welcome. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad to be here. Very cool. Um, well, the uh, so I I I discovered Chris through uh, our friend G Baby's podcast, Wax and the Porpoise. Um, they have him on pretty consistently. So, uh, but he has his own podcast called Mount Molehill. Um, would you like to tell the class kind of what that podcast is all about? Yeah. Um, so I pitch it as a podcast where even the smallest mysteries become mountains, which basically means that it's all about low stakes mysteries that I usually have some sort of personal investment in. Um, one example of that is the first episode where I'm searching for a lost jingle for a regional chain of restaurants called Poncho's Mexican Buffet that even though everyone who was around DFW in the 90s and early 2000s is familiar with the jingle, it's not actually archived anywhere online. So that's that's the sort of thing I talk about on that show. Uh, so I uh, I listened to that episode this morning, and um, first of all, it was a huge blast in the past hearing you play that Dalworth Clean commercial. <laughs> I sang along to it. I knew the rest of the number after I heard it. I was like, holy shit, I still know it. Um, I, I've seen that commercial more times than I can count. Um, yeah. And um, so I thought that was really funny. But what I think is interesting before, I know we're about to get into Tales from the Crypt, but I did just want to talk about this episode that I listened to. Definitely. Because you put some fucking work into finding this jingle and <laughs> it was very interesting to me to find out not only that like you know there are so many resources i mean you were asking like musicians for other commercials and stuff right or like people who had done music um in fact recently i got in touch with a guy that wrote a completely different jingle for ponchos like during the same period of time see if maybe he knew something and he was just like i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> which seemed really weird to me but okay right especially if it's one that because you were able to i mean you you had to build karma for reddit so that you could like make a post and ask people if like they even had heard of it and luckily you you got some some confirmation from that but i just thought it was so interesting and not only was it interesting to me that i guess you were putting in the work to find this but there are people who will just go on YouTube and upload commercials that were run yeah. during certain periods of time. I just, I did, I had no idea that that was, you know, a thing that people did in their spare time. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I do that in my spare time, not commercials specifically, but if I, if I ever have a tape that does have commercials on it, I'll definitely upload it. But yeah, there are people who just uh, specifically will like buy pre-recorded VHSs off of, ebay or wherever and just upload whatever's on them well um speaking of vhs tapes are you ready to get into this episode 
Hell yeah. Alright, okay students, it's time to take your seats. I'm about to teach you a lesson. Okay, very cool. That was a really awkward segue, but at the same time, the <laughs> tapes reminded me of um, of the episode because we see a couple in this one. Um, so this week we're talking about season four, episode one, None But the Lonely Heart. Um, so before we get into the episode, though, I want to ask you, Chris, uh, what is your background on Tales from the Crypt? Because you seem to be like a, a pretty big fan. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've, I've seen every episode. I was introduced to it at a very early age. It wasn't something that I watched a lot when it was on because I was pretty young and we didn't have HBO. So it was more something that I watched when I was at someone else's house whose parents didn't give a shit. Because <laughs> um, I grew up in like a pretty religious household. So like they wouldn't have let me watch that if they knew I was watching it. Um, I think the first one I saw <clears throat> is one that's coming up later in season four called Split Personality with Joe Pesci, which is oh. both pretty sexual and pretty violent. Um, definitely not a kid's show, but I feel like <laughs> listening to your show and just talking to other people, it's something that a lot of people watched before they were old enough. And I mm -hmm. guess the fact that there were two different children's shows spun off from Tales from the Crypt is pretty good evidence for that as well, that like kids were super into it. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, Keep going. no, go ahead. Um, yeah, I was going to say it. Um, I, most people who I've had come on have said that they saw it, like you said, whenever they were too young. I never saw an like a full episode of Tales from the Crypt, but I knew who the Crypt Keeper was and he, I knew him well enough to give me nightmares. Um, so I don't know if maybe it was on. I don't know if my family had HBO whenever I was a kid either. Um I know that they did at some point, but I just don't know at what point. I was born in 96, too, so I was born mm. right around the end of the show's run. Um, so I don't know. I mean, reruns are still very much a thing that they were playing on TV, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, so, um, well, that's cool. You've seen every episode, so I guess I don't even need to ask um, if you've seen this <laughs> episode before. But I know, I, rec I, I, I do know this is an episode that you specifically wanted to be on yeah. for. Is this, like, one of your faves? Yeah, it is, um, which might sound weird, but I think, you know, since I've seen all of them so much, so many times, this might be one that doesn't have like an immediate impact the first time you watch it, but it is a very rewatchable episode, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, this show does not have a whole lot of rewatchable episodes. Um, so I... I would have to sit on this one a little longer to, to think about the rewatchability of it. Um, but I, I do think it is very good whenever an episode has rewatchability. Um, I, I don't think I've sat down and like rewatched an episode of the show yet, but I also haven't. Well, yeah. I've watched it for I mean, a year. you're going through it for the first time. You can't rewatch it until you watch all of them. <laughs> and I'm watching, I'm watching them on an almost weekly basis. Um, I, we've had, we've Old had some days. stuff. Yeah. Um, we've had some, we've had some, you know, breaks these past few months. Um, so it, it hasn't been weekly as much as it used to be. We were going every week for a while there, but um, life just comes at you sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, we've kind of started going a little more biweekly, but yeah. So I watch an episode just about every week. Um, like you said, just like the olden days. So 
it's it's good but there have been there have been a couple nights where i've almost been like let's turn on uh my personal favorite is the thing from the grave um and naderade's not here to bitch about it but, <laughs> um do you know which episode i'm talking about it's like season uh, two episode six yeah um, it's got a the photographer falls in love with terry hatcher rare the d- guy that plays a dick in everything he's ever in with like the raspy voice um thoughts on that episode uh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> our, our friend will, will appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think still my favorite. I, I love a love story though. I'm not to be sexist. I am a girl though. So I mean, what, what can I say? I love <laughs> my a favorite love story. is uh cutting cards, which I, I gave G baby uh, an earful when he gave it a B. Uh, huh. that I don't remember what I gave that episode, but I know it was too low. Um, I didn't know what I had back when I had yeah. it because season two, seasons one and two have like, they're pretty consistently good episodes. Season three, man. And by the time this episode comes out, I don't know if our season three wrap up will be out. Um, but I, this episode is going to not come out for a couple mm-hmm. more weeks just because I still haven't done my finale yet. And I want to release them as right. an order as I can, but I think I can say it now. Season three is pretty mid. <laughs> Um, compared to season two, at least I think season two is so good. Yeah. I would say that pretty much going forward, every season on average is kind of mid because it doesn't really have that arc in my opinion of like, Oh, four is really good. Five and six aren't very good. It's just like Mm -hmm. parts of four are good. Parts of four are bad. And that kind of goes for all of the seasons going forward. Yeah, and I luckily our friend G Baby kind of helped me to um, be prepared for that. So I've kind of known, you know, basically ever since mid season two that um, that's basically as good as it's going to get consistently. But I know there's still going to be good episodes to come. Yeah, um, but when you reached out to me and I looked at like what was coming up, I was like, mm-hmm. man, season four has some really good ones. I think yes. it might be my favorite season. Oh, that's good. That's promising. And it's it's even better that we're having you say that on episode one of season yep. four. Um, so that is really exciting news. Well, um, with, with, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, the episode. Um, so let me see. I'm going to have to do my best to cut down on this one because I did. I typed out a lot. This one has a lot. <laughs> Um, so the episode opens up to Daddy Cryptkeeper serving a romantic dinner at a fancy restaurant in his crypt. A skeleton plays the violin as he stands by his table. Um, I don't exactly know at the very beginning what he says. He says, damn it, or he says something, and he's like, I told you, they wanted violence, not violins. Good help is so hard to fiend, he says as he shoves the violinist aside. Isn't it, kitties? Want a little more champagne? I hope you're hungry for tonight's murderous menu. It concerns a man that's discovered that the fastest way to a woman heart, woman's heart is with a pickaxe. I call this tasty little hors d'oeuvre none but the lonely heart. The short episode, and sweet. Short and sweet. <laughs> I know. They, they don't give us enough time with Daddy Crypt Keeper, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and this episode was a longer one, too. It was like 29 minutes. Um, yeah. And I know that they're roughly that long, but man, I just remembered one of my favorite episodes was only like 22 minutes. It was um, television terror or terror vision or something like television terror. 
Um, the one that our friend G Baby was on. That one was too short. Um, the episode opens to an elderly woman and a much younger man having a romantic dinner in her mansion. The young man, Howard Prince, speaks poetically to her and they hold hands, his gaze going down to a large bejeweled ring she is wearing. He interrupts the moment by asking her to sign up on a business he is investing in with her money, and she brushes off the details and signs for him. Now she wants him to do something for her, he <laughs> he, and he begins to recite a reading to her from memory. The woman begins to choke and convulse until she dies. Howard calmly dials the police and feigns panic. His wife has had a heart attack. We cut to her funeral. Howard and another elderly couple are the only ones in attendance. Howard's friend Morty also shows up. And um, Howard, oh, sorry. Howard tells M Morty that Matilda was a lovely woman. So was Elizabeth. And so was Claire. <laughs> they all had to be killed in the name of business. But Morty isn't here to deal with his murders. He's actually there as his business partner to tell him that the IRS has frozen a million of their dollars this morning. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it appears they're running a Ponzi scheme. Uh, they are set to stand in front of a grand jury in 11 days. So Morty recommends they make a run for it. They agree to let Howard score one more old lady. And he says he can do it in 10 days. Howard tosses his handkerchief and we see a local grave digger, digger putting it in his pocket. We find Howard in an office. What kind of, do you know what kind of office this is? Is this like some kind of business they used to have? Yeah. Wow. Um, so this <laughs> is what is called a video dating service. So before Tinder, you would pay, I mean, they still have matchmaking services that you can pay for, albeit without the videotape aspect, but you would pay these sort of agencies and like he's doing in here, they would give you a videotape with uh the equivalent of recorded tinder profiles basically yeah to put it in terms people today will understand where you're like hey you know my name's chris i like long walks on the beach mm. and all that shit and then after you watch the tape you would go to the person who's running the service and be like hey i liked this person and i'm not exactly sure how it worked out after that but they would maybe be like hey this person's interested in you why don't you watch their tape and if you're both interested in each other you can have each other's contact information and go on a date okay um i i, I kind of figured that too i was like this kind of looks like e-harmony but like in person um so. <laughs> yeah pretty <laughs> um, much so we find howard in one of these dating service offices and he's watching uh videos of women doing their little interviews and he comes across an elder woman named Effie. She doesn't want a suitor as no one could ever replace her Theodore, but she goes on to say that she wants a companion. I mean, who can go to Paris alone so many times? Howard goes out and tells the man at the desk who he has selected. Um, and my jaw dropped on the floor when I saw that man's name in the fucking credits. <laughs> I will talk about oh, yeah. it, but I, I spit out the chicken I was eating. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Um, so we cut to Effie's home where and I'll, um, I probably after this will, will break. So we cut to Effie's home where Howard waits to meet her. Her butler is his name, uh, stands by her side as Howard woos her and the two spend the evening talking to each other over a jigsaw puzzle. Effie insists that he stay for dinner and she tells the butler to set two places at the dinner table as she, and sorry, she tells the butler to set two places at the, at the table for dinner. As she returns, she sees Howard inspecting the puzzle. 
She tells him that Theodore spent six years working on the puzzle, and he actually died at that table. The puzzle is exactly as he left it. Um, the two kind of start flirting, and then Effie throws him on the table with the puzzle, and I think they have sex right where her last husband had just died. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they sure do. So we can kind of cut there. Um, so I know I kind of cut through a lot in... Um, in uh, the Effie section, but she is telling Howard, she's like, you're a little too young for me. Yeah. And Howard sweet talks her into being like, okay, never mind. But he even, (laughs) he even straight up is like, Oh, what you think I want your money? And she's like, well, well kind of, yeah, actually. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how many times can you go to Paris alone? Like, (laughs) come on. He's a smoothie. (laughs) Yeah. He, um, I guess that's another part of this that, I never really thought about it until watching it this time that is super dated. Like the video dating service is that the way he's able to convince her, like, I don't need your money and I just want companionship is like, he's like, I, I can't have sex because I'm impotent. So that's why I don't care that you're an older woman, like women, my age, I can't give them what they need, but it's like, yeah, this was before Viagra was invented. And he's just like, I guess I don't have a sex life for the rest of my life anymore. Exactly. And she, she eats that shit up and she's like, Oh no, that's fine. Um, but I actually, I guess he can have sex because then they immediately go and have sex or does, I think it was supposed to be like, you know, he, uh, that's part of his con is like, Oh, I, I'm impotent, but I'm so into you that you are able to help me get my dick up. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, there are some men who are into older women, you know, I know it's not as common, but, (laughs) um, occasionally you find the ones who like themselves a granny. Um, (laughs) I want to go back to the very first thing that happens in this episode, because in a horror series where people get decapitated and play chop poker and do all of this gross stuff, probably the grossest thing I've ever seen in this show is how it starts, which is just a close up of someone putting lipstick on their lips and smacking their lips and eating lipstick. Is that something that people actually do? Um, I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. Well, I mean, I know some lips some like lipstick or lip gloss it is flavored you know i guess but um no and especially like like you said it's just gross because it's like a close-up and the mouth sounds not to be not to be that person but like she's old (laughs) (laughs) so it's also just kind of like um yeah i agree but also at the same time i do think there is something endearing about her like trying to look nice for her husband who i guess it sounds like they were only together for like a month or a yeah. couple of months. Um, Cause month. I think, I think at her funeral, the, the lady literally says like, you made her last month very special. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy that he has, you know, he has it all figured out, which I know it's not crazy, but like he has it all figured out. He's like, I just need to find these women who are old enough to where, you know, they just keep dying it doesn't look suspicious at all. And all I have to do is freak out whenever I call the emergency services. <laughs> um, I thought it was re- it's a really strong opening, just that little two minute scene there. Yeah. And I mean, he also, 
because he he also knows how to talk to these ladies and he does know how to make them feel special up until the moment that they're literally dying because he's over here talking about like how you know like the red wine is so like all these poetic things and mm-hmm. then, like just like your lips and she's like mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> so i thought I, I mean i thought that that was like a it was a nice touch and I mean, I, I knew as soon as he sat down and was like calling her darling and all these other things, I was like, oh, she is so dead and he is so just killing her. Like that was, hey, 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 cat, come on. Sorry. Um, he was about to destroy things and I can't be cleaning up. They do. The middle. <laughs> yes, they do. I know my little demon child. Um It's funny. It doesn't happen as much in our episodes nowadays, but I know that at the beginning of our show, Milo and Barry, my dog, they used to fight. I'm sure you've heard it. They used to fight so much that people <laughs> thought that they thought they were destroying the whole house during the recordings. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I straight up don't let my cats in my room because they won't leave me alone. Oh, you have two cats? Four. <laughs> How many? Four. Four. I want four. It's too um, many. I, I, I imagine. But I at least want another one. But at the same time then he would abandon the dog and the dog needs the cat. So, um, (laughs) I, um, man, if I tried to kick Milo out during a recording, he would just be like at the door the whole time, like giving his two cents. (laughs) I work from home and that's my life. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, rabbit hole. Um, so yeah. And so we're talking about, um, he just killed Matilda and he's only been with her for like a month, but he still somehow managed to convince this woman to like sign everything away to her. And, you know, he's, she signs off on all his business deals and she doesn't even ask about it. Cause she's just like, Oh, darling, it's only been a month, but let me just sign the check blank check. You know, like she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then let's talk about his friend, Morty, um, or his business partner, Morty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, who he's in on all of it. He knows everything that's going on. Um, and it appears as though he doesn't really do any of the dirty work at all. He just kind of goes there and, you know, keeps a secret and it gets him some money. Yeah. Um, he's involved with the money somehow, but they never really say he's, he's in, he's involved enough to know that the, the IRS is freezing their money. You know, like maybe he's the one who's like managing the money. And I guess, yeah. Howard is just getting the money. Something um, like that. Yeah. So, and yeah, and it's, I guess he's still doing some part of the dirty work, but I mean, come on. I feel like wooing the women and then actually going through all the trouble yes. to poison them. That is the dirtiest of the work. Um, and he, he's now gone through three women and he is swearing up and down. He can do one more in 10 days. Um, Ambitious. Which, how to get a man in 10 days or how to lose a man in 10 days. Right? That's the McConaughey movie. Um, I swear to God, I've seen it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we meet Effie and man, I want to go to Paris as much as Effie goes to Paris and I'll go. Well, I don't know if I'll go alone. I'll go with someone though. Um, I've always wanted to go to Paris. So I was like, Oh, take her to Paris. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, all right, let's go on ahead and kind of go over. Um, let's see. I think we can, you ready to move on? Or is there anything else about this first section you want to talk about? Did we want to talk about 
who owns the video dating service um like or did you uh, want to save that we can save that for astrology okay um and yeah and i mean anyone who's actually watched the episode knows exactly who we're talking about but yeah um, <laughs> i like to leave i like to leave a little bit of excitement i i know thon's gonna listen to this and be like what the fuck <laughs> i used to not save the surprise but then of course now that he's not here i'm actually thinking about it but yeah let's save the surprise <laughs> um because that that'll be fun to talk about um it's been a while since we've had someone that I recognize so well. <laughs> I, I mean, there's maybe who else could you recognize as well as this guy? There's maybe I, like a couple I, actors in the world, really. There was a split second where I thought about instead of like I, I don't even I didn't even look up his name. I I didn't even look at the IMDb, but whatever his name is, or he maybe he's just like owner. Um, I thought about like just using all the like the names of characters that he's played. <laughs> um because there's so many um so let's go ahead and move on uh the next morning effie wakes him up to breakfast in bed and she gives him a letter that came for him i put a question mark because i was kind of like and maybe it isn't the next morning maybe it's been a couple of days but even still less than 10 days and he's already receiving mail to this place um yeah really <laughs> um and she doesn't even question it she's like oh this was here for you i was kind of like um and he opens up the envelope to see a note that says, another one, stop before it's too late. And he rushes out, promising Effie that he'll return tonight. Howard storms into Morty's office as he sees Morty shredding their documents. He calls Morty out for basically leaving him. He's like, so you're just going to leave me with the bag? And Morty tells him that the dead wives are starting to rub off on him. And um, Howard doesn't like hearing that. So he shoves Morty's tie into the shredder and basically just leaves Morty to die. Um which hell yeah uh, <laughs> um the next day we see howard carrying effie over the threshold of the home newly wed um let me see do, 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 do. um stanhope that's the guy's name uh stanhope annoyingly asks if the couple is going to have their lunch in the dining room for once and effie says no we're gonna have it in bed like usual and she takes howard <laughs> over to the stairs she um, pulls out a document with him, sharing that she has changed, I think, the title of the house to be in his name. And I think, I think it's other... just like all of her financial assets, basically. And it's yeah, that's what I thought. I, I said the title of the house, but I was like, I'm pretty sure she literally put everything in his name. Um, like, it's been two days. Come on, girl. <laughs> so, um, do, 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 do um sorry and uh so she's changed everything to be in howard's name as effie goes upstairs the butler brings howard another letter reading another one what you're doing to these women is criminal and howard returns back to the dating service office the owner surprised to see him return so soon howard asks if he takes his special interest in all of his clients and uh he says something else he like quotes him directly and he throws him onto the couch telling him that he knew he was trying to telling the owner that he, he knew he was trying to blackmail him and he throws the owner into the television, killing him. He calls Effie and tells her to give Stanhope the night off because he's making dinner for them with a nice bottle of wine. Um, okay, hang on. Let me go ahead. All right. We'll stop there because I think that we're, we're getting close to the end. And I know that that middle section was kind of shorter, but I did do a big front section. I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> here we start to see, um, you know, Howard killed more than just the women that he's married to. Now he's killing his business partner. 
he's killing the owner of the dating service um, because he thinks that both of these men are trying to blackmail him. Yes. Um, and he he doesn't struggle at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I was wondering, like, he keeps getting these, like, uh, unaddressed mail sent to him. So it's obviously just being hand delivered to the butler. Why doesn't he ask the butler who is sending these ma- these letters? Yeah, it took the butler like calling him out for him to which I know we haven't gotten to that part yet. But, you know, like it basically takes the butler calling him the fuck out for him to finally be like, oh, fucking hell, this butler. Um, but yeah, I, I don't under I, I also didn't understand how like he's receiving these, like you said, hand delivered letters and I can understand why he would know why he would assume Morty did it if Morty knew where Effie yeah. lived. So I don't know if he shared Effie's location with Morty, but you know that was I think that'd be a pretty safe first bet. But I don't know. I don't necessarily the 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 what is it the dating service. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that he would be like the next person I'd be going to, especially because I feel like it's pretty obvious the butler or Stanhope, sorry, I think that's his name. I think it's pretty obvious, like his change in demeanor is kind of like it went from, you know, him being just like a good butler to him being almost jealous. Like that's how I kind of took it. I was like, yeah, I, I, there was a while where I thought that the butler was kind of, which I know he's also older, but there was a point in time where I was kind of like, is he, does he does he angry because he cares about Effie or is he angry because he thought that he was going to be the one that gets all her money <laughs> when she's gone? <laughs> um, yeah. He's just I thought like it was an aristocrat over there like notice me senpai. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. He and you know he's like I'll be waiting right away, you know, right over there like yeah. he's, he's very he wants to take care of her and so um there was a there was a good bit of time where I was kind of like does the butler like have something you know, at stake here too, or is he just suspicious of Howard? Um, So, and then he goes and he kills the owner of the dating service, um, which I wish I had written down the quote that he said after, um, you know, the the owner, after he turns the tape in, he's like, this is the one I want. And then um, he says something to him because then he turns around and he says it right back to him. Um, and that there was a moment where I thought, like, did he have a deal with the guy at the dating place, too? Or is he just, like, suspicious now of everybody? Um, he said something along the lines of, like, they have, they can offer something special to a man, older women. Oh, so he specifically notices that he's picking the older women. So Yeah, because he, he's done it, like, three or four times in a row. Uh, does he have to go to the same place every time <laughs> that's on him. that's a good point like i mean you know not that i'm gonna go out killing silver foxes or anything like that but if it were me <laughs> i'd be going to different offices to get my sources but what do i know yeah. um so yeah he he kills uh he kills our friend and then um yeah, and then he goes back because he's like, all right, that's it. Like, they're getting too close. I need to just go ahead and take care of it. So give the butler the night off and make sure he leaves the house because I'm making dinner for us and I'm getting us a special bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess, um, is there anything from this middle section? Um, I should have spaced out my front section a little better, but is there anything from this middle section that 
Um, I feel like with this one, it's easier to just talk about it kind of once we have everything, but anything from you? <laughs> Not really. I do like, I wish someone would hand deliver things to me on a silver, literally a silver platter. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. He's like, here's your letter. I'm carrying it on a silver platter. That and, was well, fun. He's grimacing at him while he's giving it to him too. And then Howard's kind of looks at him, which I don't know how Howard wasn't suspicious after this either, because he's kind of like, all right, thanks. And then the guy just kind of stands there and keeps looking at him. And he's like, thanks. Like, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> um, weirdo. I know, but it, it just, I mean, the butler or Stanhope, he was just being so obvious. Um, so we hear Effie singing in the shower as Howard pours a glass of wine for her. While he puts the bottle down, we see Stanhope standing in the doorway. He asks, does the name Matilda Mason mean anything to you? How about, I don't know her last name. It's Elizabeth Swanson or something like that. It's Claire <laughs> McCarthy. Howard plays dumb. Stanhope says he doesn't want to call the police as he doesn't want to upset Effie. And he won't as long as the marriage is annulled and Howard leaves, never to return. Howard tells him that he loves Effie. And Stanhope decides that he needs to pull out a gun. Howard calls his bluff, telling him to shoot. But Stanhope hesitates and Howard approaches Stanhope and he grabs him. He manages to get the gun away from him because Stanhope can't pull the trigger. And it looks like he just breaks Stanhope's neck on the couch as Effie like walks by. Um, and I guess he manages to stash the body while Effie's getting dressed for their hot day. Um, and then we cut to the couple as Howard is handing Effie her glass of wine. She tells him, mm, bread wine's too bitter for me. And he just immediately like quickly manages to talk her into drinking the entire glass. So you're trying to get me drunk, aren't you? And he's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's like, okay, <laughs> down the hatch. Um, so do, do, do. She stops and begins to collapse, choking and convulsing, just as Matilda did at the beginning. She calls out for Howard and breathes her last. Howard takes a deep breath and calls an ambulance. But Effie isn't actually dead. She gets up and surprises him as he is on the phone. And he, as he is walking her across the room, is telling the uh, dispatch that um, they were having a fight and he had to push her down the stairs. And then he actually pushes her down the stairs and we hear her tumble down. He, um, now I don't know if this happens like the next day, like after the funeral and everything, but we see him sitting in the house and he is booking a flight on the phone. He gets up to leave, but there's an envelope still on the door. God damn it. This letter tells him to meet at the mausoleum. And did he say local mausoleum or family mausoleum? Because I think this uh, is like... The Gluckman mausoleum. And that's uh, that's Effie's Yeah, it's like her family mausoleum. So we see a flashlight pan across the wall and into Howard's face. The man who has been behind all the letters tells Howard that he's been here for 12 years. He's never seen anything like it. It's the local grave digger from the beginning. Now, this part I did get a little confused about. Did the gravedigger tell Howard that the women used him to bring Howard to them? Or is he telling Howard that he wants him to teach him his ways? Because I got a little confused. I think he's saying both. Okay. that's Because I, I, I know that at one point he was like, teach me. But then the next thing you know, he's like, they're using me to get to you. Or something like that. And then... Um, Howard has had enough of his shit and he kills him and he's like, Effie, you're going to have someone in there with you. And he opens up Effie's casket, but she's not there. And undead, an undead Effie tells Howard that she's missed him. 
Matilda also pops up and she says she missed him too. We cut over to see a very disgusting looking Effie, um, which is another reason why I was like, has it been a few days? Because she literally looks like she's already started to decompose. Yeah. Um, we cut over to um, a also very nasty and undead uh, Matilda. And what about me? Asks Elizabeth from the door as Howard <laughs> tries to run out. Um no, not a, not from the door because Elizabeth is like further down into the mausoleum, and so Howard's trying to run upstairs. And then who do we see at the entrance? Oh, we see Claire. Ooh, yeah. all Claire is gnarly. Mouth and, Eyeball uh, falling out. Give 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 your wife a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, we see Claire at the entrance, and all hor- four horribly decayed and rotten women. I'll close in on uh, old Howard there in the mausoleum, and we just see Effie's hand holding his as the uh, as the episode kind of closes out. And we go back to our five-star crypt. Daddy Crypt Keeper pours a glass of red wine for his uh, patron. Now that's what I call a happy ending. I had a feeling Effie would win Howard's heart, not to mention his spleen, his kidneys, and his gallbladder. <laughs> so will there be anything else? And the woman's head falls to the ground. Mmm. I love a ghoul who gives you head and then lets you keep it. <laughs> and I actually fucking howled when he said that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, I know it's not like a kid-friendly show, but that even that seemed like a little like too direct and risque for this show. Like just to say that. No, that's what I'm saying. I I was I was shocked to hear him say that. I was like, not Daddy Crypt Keeper talking about fucking... <laughs> that was so funny. Um, and just so, like, not expected. Um, that was... Uh, that's like a top 10 Tales from the Crypt moment for me, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, we we see... Um, now, this is... I'm... I'm more or less a new-ish horror fan. Um, I didn't start watching horror movies until a mm-hmm. couple of years ago because they used to scare me. I say a couple of years ago. It's been since 2019 now. Oh, shit. Um, is this... Are they just... Are they just undead? You know, like... Are Is there, like, a specific, I guess, creature that they are? Are they just, like... I, I didn't even want to use the word zombies, but are they zombies? They're not zombies, right? They're just... Uh, not really. I mean... I don't think it's really clear. So I think my headcanon is basically that like, even though Howard didn't love any of these women, like he instilled a love in them that was so strong that it like persists beyond death and it like keeps them alive. And that's why they're like all obsessed with him and want him to die with them. Although none of that is even hinted at really in the show itself. That's just like the best, I could come up with. So it reminds me a lot. I'm going to have to look up the name of the episode. Um, it reminds me a lot. I often just call it the Logan episode because the main guy in that episode's name was Logan. Reminds me a lot of that episode though, where like um, shit till death. It's like season two episode. Yeah. Season two episode four till death um, where like it's, it's a man who's trying to build a hotel on an island where, like, it's really not meant to hold a, such a big structure. And he meets a rich woman who um, he gives her a potion because he has, like, a, a voodoo ex-girlfriend. He gives her this love potion and then she falls in love with him. And he says, one drop to make her your wife. And 
like three drops to give her your life or something like that or for to have her for life or something like that so then she like raises from the dead because she's still so in love with this man um I, I, is that ringing a bell to you yeah yeah okay cool 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 um so yeah that that kind of reminded me this reminded me of that episode but um this one's fun because there's more than just one crazy woman after him at the end yeah pretty good pretty good effects on on the dead women yeah they were nasty and i i mean obviously i think the i'm, I'm sure that the women that they had in these roles were actually elderly women and I think it's really cool that they were so down to be like mummified like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that last one with the worm sticking out of her mouth and the eye hanging from the socket. That was gnarly. Yeah, She's cool as hell. Um, and I like how she was the one she was in her wedding dress, right? Yes. Um, so that one was like, there was a story behind each of them. It was so cool. Um, but yeah, so Let's go on ahead. Let's kind of talk about, let's see here. Um, I feel like, because obviously I think it's clear the gravedigger is the one who's leaving him the letters, right? Or is it? Uh, I think so. Okay, because I mean, I, there was, like from the very beginning, I was like, it has to be the butler. It has to be Stanhope. Um, because he he obviously like i said he seems very suspicious and at first i wasn't sure what his intentions were but i think now that we've kind of seen like he literally was willing to die for effie because he he cared about her um he wasn't like trying to get her money or at least that's what it kind of seemed like i don't know actually i maybe the jury's still out on that one but <laughs> because it, like right as he's pulling the gun at him he's like he's like you have to do it that's all i'll say about it and i was kind of like why is that okay <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I thought it was the butler giving him the letters, but then obviously after all these men are dead, he's still getting them. Yeah. Um, so it's our local grave digger. Um, but I still kind of, I know we see him at the very beginning. I guess that should have been a dead giveaway of seeing him like take, um, take Howard's handkerchief and he even kind of spells it out for him at the end. So yeah, I guess it was him. Sorry. I always do this. I always have to like <laughs> break down how the episode like registers to me because it just, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess also, and we'll get into it with astrology. Um, I, I assume you wouldn't know who plays the grave digger, but people at the time would have been like, Oh, that dude's super famous. He's definitely going to, they definitely didn't have him on the show to show him like putting a single piece of dirt on a grave. Oh, I know that name. I just looked, you... I just looked at, I know I recognize that name and I, I thought I recognized his face, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really know him. I bet, I bet I've seen him in some stuff, but um, yeah, so he, but he does kind of play like a pretty small role. I still, well, a big role, but small, <laughs> small lines, yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah. Um, so. Um. I guess is there what else what else about I guess this kind of end and segment I I thought okay so actually yeah let me go back I thought that Effie was gonna get him like before she died like I thought that she was luring him into a trap of her own that'd be that'd be cool like maybe her husband died and left her in dire straits financially and since Howard lied about him having money maybe she's playing like some black widow scheme to actually kill him and take his money 
Yeah, that's what I thought because the way that they were both talking to each other, they especially because you know at this point that Howard's delivering just like pure manipulation. I was really hoping that Effie was going to be the one who like manipulates him somehow. And like he's the one who or at the end and she calls the police and she's like help my husband uh, um, that definitely reads more classic tales from the crypt like that mm. sort of turning the tables morality play yeah and i mean honestly that that doesn't change the fact that i do love whenever you know people return from the dead for their revenge of course um in fact that's actually one of my favorite tales from the crypt tropes is um <laughs> yeah they just raise from the dead and they still just fuck you up. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's also, if you think about it, that is also classic. They, it went, it could have gone one of two ways and it just went the other way. But um, yeah, so I, I was honestly, whenever Effie, whenever Effie got back up, I wasn't surprised. I was like, well, yeah. And then he throws her down the stairs and I was like, but she's still not dead. Is she? Um, and she was. Um, also, I guess one question I should have asked during our last segment, I guess I don't know the, I guess I don't know the true power of a shredder, but, um, <laughs> would that have actually killed him? Uh, so what's weird about it is they show like blood coming out, but I would assume that that could kill you, but by choking you to death, not yeah. anything involving blood. Well, I think that the blood, based on like the way that they cut back up to him, I think that the blood is like his hands because he's trying to grab the the tie. But I guess just in in my experience with shredders like that, um, I feel like all he would have had to have done is to just grab the tie and pull up, so that way it just like shreds, you know, the tie. And then I don't know, but I don't know. They also what... jam super easy in real life. I know I. So, like, that's the only thing is there was a point in time where I was like, what if Morty at the beginning just didn't die and it's still Morty giving him the letters? Um, because you never see, in my, you know, like, for me, like, if you don't see a body, if you don't see, like, a dead body, sometimes even if you do see a dead body, you still can't fully believe they're dead. So there was a point where I was like, I don't even know if Morty's dead yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought... They also do that in Gremlins too. I don't know if you've ever seen it. They try to kill someone by putting someone's tie in a paper <laughs> shredder. Um, I have not. It's on the list. Uh, is Gremlins two also a Christmas movie, or is that just the first one? It is not a Christmas movie. I yeah. I I need to watch. I I need to I need to get more classics. Just I need to just watch them. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we're not here to talk about Gremlins. Um, but I yeah. I just. So that's the thing is I was kind of like, I don't even know if Morty's dead yet because I just feel like, I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like enough, but I, I guess, I guess the shredder wouldn't be able to take his whole body. I was like, what if it shrugged the whole man in? Um, I'm assuming if it did kill him, like you said, it probably would have been because it choked him. Or yeah. I guess because it eventually got to his esophagus. But anyway, um, so yeah, we've got, let's see. I'm trying Anything to think of like, cause also when he throws that guy's head into a TV, that also happens in another horror movie. Scream. Uh, yeah, and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, cause... But I'm wondering, like, are they referencing something or are they just doing a bunch of stuff that's kind of just a little bit derivative? <laughs> I don't know. I, 
because I mean, obviously, this came out long before Scream did. So I don't know when Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer came out. Um, Eighty-seven, maybe. Uh, and also, they don't throw a head into a TV; they throw the TV onto his head. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a little different. But I did think of Scream as soon as I saw that. Um, that would be interesting to know, especially I guess knowing who this movie was, this episode was directed by. Um, maybe he was trying to just make funny little references, but. Um, I don't know, because at the same time, these kills all just kind of feel like, they feel like a convenient setting. Um, you know, like with the TV and with the shredder, yeah. feel like things that are, you know, easy to, to be like, yeah, well, this is a way that we could get him in this one, and this is how we could get him in this one. But I don't know, that is a very good point to bring yeah. up, because that has been, like you said, a little derivative. I mean, I thought or, they were all fun. Definitely they seem kind of unique in tales from the crypt. I guess that like, they definitely were not part of the original story of this. Like they were written for this television episode because none of that happens in the comic book. Obviously like video dating services didn't exist in the fifties. So yeah, that, like that whole thing was written for this. See, I don't even, I, I haven't even read the comics, so I wouldn't have even been able to, um, to see that um but that is cool though that's cool that you read the comics have you read all of those two or just like i've read a good deal of them and i went back and read this one in preparation for the show it's it's super short it's seven pages oh wow and it's pretty similar although the guy is not like going after older women he's just going after women that he's meeting through a lonely hearts club mailing list as opposed to a uh, video dating service mm -hmm. and it's not like happening chronologically the whole story is like him talking to his dog and he's like oh hey king remember the time we killed matilda that was fun wasn't it uh... I, <laughs> like also since it's in the 50s like the amount of money he's doing it for is pretty funny he's like yeah we got five thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> and then like at, at the very end he's like has a letter from someone in this club and she's like, here's a picture of me. It's a few years old. Come meet me. And he's like, oh, this woman's actually really pretty. Maybe I'll just marry her. He goes to her house. It's a cemetery. And she's a corpse. And she's like, I didn't say how old my picture was. And she <laughs> takes him into a coffin. That's awesome. Um, I Well, I mean, obviously, like you said, because there weren't video dating services, I would have loved to have seen that ending, though. Um, I, so I, I like... I would, sorry to interrupt, but I would like, even though I really like this one, I think the ending is weak. And I think that's because the source material ending was also kind of just like, we got to wrap this up somehow really fast. So let's just yeah. do it. Yeah, I, I did. I, like I said, I did like the ending, but I did, like I said, I just kind of, not that I had a better idea, but I do just think that there may have been some better ways. I really do think I would have liked it better, though, if Effie had been the one who kind of, like, tricked him, too. Like, you know, he gets a taste of his own medicine. Um, but that's okay. This ending was still pretty good because it's not just Effie getting her revenge. It's all the other girlies, too. <laughs> yeah, I think the last, like, breath of fun special effects kind of makes up for the, the narrative shortcomings of the ending. Yeah, they they really put some work into the the thirty seconds that we get of these undead women, um, and um, I really liked the uh, the setting for the crypt keeper at the beginning and the end, like with him serving at the restaurant. 
um, cause daddy crypt keeper is always serving. Um, um, yeah, it was, it was super fun. I, I can't get over that head joke at the end. I actually like, I videoed, um, my boyfriend doesn't watch tales from the crypt with me, but I videotaped that specific joke and I sent it to him because it's so goddamn funny. (laughs) Um, well, just and, let him know there's more where that came from. So you, should, <laughs> you should definitely watch it. No, I, I'm working on it. Yeah, I actually just today was like, please come on an episode of my show with me. <laughs> so that would be super fun. Special guest, Diego. Um, but yeah, we're working on that. So um, are you ready to grade this thing or is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, I don't think there's, I mean this is a very plot heavy episode. So there's not like we kind of went over like all the fun stuff about it, like the kills, the TV, the paper shredder and the, the zombies at the end. So I, I mean, we could just like sit here and go over the plot again, but we don't want to do that. So I I think I'm good. Um, One thing I do want to talk about are uh, the, uh, the two elderly women who, as they're dying, I think that, I think Matilda gives an amazing performance performance of choking and convulsing until she just like dies just sort of like sticking her tongue out you know like yeah (laughs) that was pretty funny Um, i also really like just in that opening scene how fast howard turns it on like goes from like calm calculated killing this old woman to his fake 911 call yeah, no, I like that too. How he just like kind of calmly picks up the phone. I thought whenever he was picking up the phone after she dies, um, I thought that he was calling his accomplice to like come get the body. Done. And then he, yeah, exactly. He's like, all right, she's dead. Bring him in. Um, and instead, he's like, my wife. I was like, oh shit. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Um, it's funny though. I like whenever he said my wife, I shouldn't have been surprised, but for some reason I was like, man, these two aren't married. They're just dating. Like, this is so new. How cute. Well, not new. Cause I think it's also like, I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. I forget that I said that because they're talking to each other. Like they've been in love forever, but it's only been a month. <laughs> He's just that good. Just that good. I guess ladies watch out. Um, all right. Well, um, Chris, would you like to um, grade this episode first? Uh, you go ahead. All right, all right, all right. I always like to offer to the guest, but I also understand that, you know, it's a new format for some people. A lot of pressure. So, oh, yeah, I, I understand. No, for sure. Um, well, this, uh, I think this is a great, very strong way to kick off, um, you know, season four. Um, especially after season three had some good ones. It did have some good ones, but I, um, you know, I'm excited for a fresh start. And, uh, this was a nice, good, fresh start. Like we already kind of talked about like the, um, the makeup and stuff that they do at the end on all the, the women. And, um, I thought that the storyline was pretty interesting and I really liked the setting. Um, that, that dating service office was like, it was so cool, but it was also so like, 90s to me or even like even to go back as far as like 80s it was so funny um so yeah i think that um i think that i'm gonna land on a b minus for this one um it is definitely it's definitely pretty good but i 
I don't necessarily know if I could give it the solid B um, personally. But yeah, I think I'm going to land on a B for this one. Um, what are you thinking, Chris? I'm going to give it an A minus. The A minus is for the week ending, but I do think that pound for pound, this probably has one of the best ensemble casts of any of the episodes, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but everyone in this is giving a solid performance with maybe the exception of the grave digger guy. Cause he's not really an actor by trade, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> the main guy, Howard, I think he really carries this and he is backed up by the Effie and Stanhope very well and the uh, of course the video dating service owner so <laughs> and we do get some good special effects at the end so even though i think it's not typically as salacious as you would normally want from a tales from the crypt episode i think that it's very strong in its performances and in its plot so a minus i agree on that so that's going to set us at a, our average is going to be a solid b this week um, well, Chris, are you ready to move into data astrology? Let's do it. All right. Starlight, starlight, the first stars in tonight. So. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Quick little intro. Uh, <laughs> this week, our professor of library sciences is going to look to the stars and tell us about the stars of the past from this week's episode. And what they might be up to now. Uh, Chris, go ahead and take it away. So, of course, the elephant in the room is who directed this slash played the video dating service owner. And who is that, Logan? It is Tom Hanks. Yeah. The myth, the legend. America's <laughs> dad. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I just said it's Woody. That's all. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me. <laughs> that's like, that's the whole point. Is there even a point in talking about who this guy is? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I grew up absolutely loving Tom Hanks. Um, so yeah, he, he's got, he's got a pretty, I don't even know how much, obviously, like we don't have to go through every single movie or show he's been in, but um what, I guess, is there a role that Tom Hanks has played that you have particularly liked? Uh, I mean, Forrest Gump. That's an of easy course. one. A League of Their Own. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I caught the end of that movie. Um, obviously, I grew up, I, I loved Toy Story, but Toy Story 2 is actually my favorite. Um, I, I grew up, I watched Seepless in Seattle. That's a good movie. Um, I haven't watched it since, but um, Captain Phillips, of course. Um just I'm every movie of- ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, any other historical? <laughs> What's that other movie he did about the airplane guy? Um, Sully. Sully or something like that. I didn't even watch that one to be honest. But yeah, he's. I mean, he. What else? I feel like there are some that we should probably mention that other people listening are going to be like, <laughs> if we don't. Um, I loved him in this episode, though. Let's see. Uh, oh, Castaway. How could we forget? Yeah, Castaway. Um, Saving Private Ryan. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Oh, not the first. I haven't seen that one. Um, oh, A Man Called Otto. I almost watched that. Um, uh, catch Me If You Can. 
he executive produced Mamma Mia? <laughs> I had no idea because he wasn't in it. Um, the 80s. Oh, he's just a producer. Damn, I didn't realize that he did more producing. Oh, this is filmography. Um, Asteroid so City recently. Shit. Uh, Diego and I, we didn't get to see that in theaters. Um, but we we went to Alamo Draft House to go see Talk to Me a couple weeks ago. And they were <laughs> handing out posters for that movie. So we have like a huge poster for Asteroid City. Um, but we're big yeah. Wes Anderson fans. So we are going to watch Asteroid City soon. But Yeah, um, it's funny because I live in New Mexico and Asteroid City is kind of like a fictional amalgamation of the Southwest. And then Oppenheimer also came out, which takes place in New Mexico. But I saw Barbie instead of either of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> um. I saw Barbie and Oppenheimer. I had to go see both, but um, definitely glad that you were in the Barbie crew because I did see that one first. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, can't sit in a theater for three hours watching Oppenheimer. Um, I I was actually able to. I did have to pee through like most of the second <laughs> half of that movie. I do think that movies need to bring back intermissions for any movie that's longer than like two hours because... It's not sure. fair to make me choose between like a UTI possibly or <laughs> missing part of a Christopher Nolan movie, which means that you could be missing like the most important part. Right. Because <laughs> um, you never know. So, but yeah, so Tom Hanks. Um, Apollo 13, The Green Mile. The Green Mile. The yeah. Terminal. He's got, he's got a lot of, his name is Baxter in this one. Yeah, uh, he hasn't been in a lot of horror things, but this is actually his directorial debut, which is fun. Um. Oh, yeah, let me see. Well, I guess he doesn't have a whole lot of director credits because it... Um, let me see. But yeah, this... Um, he didn't do a bad job. I, I didn't realize he was such like a big producer as well as like a huge mega actor. But I mean, he did a really good job directing this episode. Um, I was pretty impressed yeah he's great um other than that uh one of the writers of this terry black also wrote a movie from 1988 called dead heat which okay. is like a zombie buddy cop movie and it also <laughs> stars the guy that plays howard in this episode which is treat williams have you ever seen him in anything I feel like I recognize, let me see here. I feel like I recognized his face, um, but there's nothing that, no, I don't see anything that I would recognize him from at first yeah. So he's like definitely someone that people rec. He unfortunately passed away in June. So oh, that, no. that sucks. Rest in peace, Treat Williams. But really? yeah, he, People recognize him, but it's not one of those things where you're like, oh, you should know him from this, because I feel like he was never in anything that big. So whatever someone might recognize him from is going to probably be different for everyone. But I mean, I recognize him. This is what I think of when I think Treat Williams. But other than this, he's also in a horror movie called Deep Rising from like 1998. That's a horror movie about like a a big ocean liner being attacked by a giant octopus thing um, directed by Stephen Summers, who also who did the mummy the next year. So it kind of has that adventure horror mm -hmm. feel to it. 
Um, he's also the main character in a series of movies called The Substitute. He's in The Substitute 2, 3, and 4, which is like he's like a substitute teacher that goes to like an inner city school to clean up gangs like that kind of thing they're very cheesy like movies your dad would watch on a sunday afternoon on tbs but (laughs) is it like all white saviorism not really because in the fourth one he goes to a military academy and there's like a group of neo-nazis that he's fighting oh my so which is actually my favorite partially because of that but yeah so i mean yeah there's a little little white saviory stuff but not not completely um okay not an egregious amount <laughs> yeah um he's also plays critical bill in a movie called things to do in Denver. things to do in denver when you're dead which also has like a really great ensemble cast of like andy garcia christopher lloyd christopher walken william oh, forsyth wow. steve buscemi like there's yeah and he shits his pants in that movie oh (laughs) my god so that's fun shits his pants um i did take a quick scroll through his imdb i i would have to look uh i'd have to like look at it i see he plays a main character role on blue bloods um i don't know if you've ever heard of that show if you've ever seen it it's donnie i've heard of it i've never seen it it's donnie Wahlberg's cop show uh henry selick is in it tom selick henry selick Holy shit. Tom Selleck? Magnum P.I. guy with the stuff. Tom. Tom Selleck. Henry Selleck. He's the director of, I think, Night Before Christmas and Coraline. Um, anyway. Yeah, Tom Selleck is in that. Um, and uh, I actually really like that show, so I'd have to go back and look and see what roles he plays, what role he plays in that show, because it looks like he's been on there since the beginning. Um, and I guess was still Lenny Ross. Really He's only in six episodes. Oh, it said 2016 to 2023. <laughs> yeah, IMDb does that with TV shows. They fuck me up, man. Um, well, never mind. I guess he only played a little bit, but I did love that show. Um, I don't only watch it with my parents. I'm at my parents' house, though. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, yeah, he was just in a lot of like really big things, but maybe never like the main character he was in. Once Upon a Time in America, which is a very well well known film, but he was famous enough to be to play himself in an episode of The Simpsons. So oh. <laughs> there's you that. You've made it when you play yourself. Yeah. So rest in peace, Treat Williams. And then the other lead in this Effie uh, was Francis Sternhagen or Sternhagen. Not really sure how to pronounce it, but. She is still alive, but I think she retired from acting like 10 what? years ago. What the fuck? She? Yeah, she's like 90 something. She was born January 13th, 1930. This bitch yeah, was, so she's born like in... 93. She was born like before World War II. Right? She was like... born before the Tales from the Crypt comic books came out. <laughs> She was in her 20s when they came out. She may have read them and been a huge fan. That is incredible. Good for her, you know? Yeah, Um, so obviously she's had a very long-spanning career. What I recognize her from most and what other horror fans will probably know her from is she is 
She's in Misery from 1990, the Stephen King adaptation with James Caan and Kathy Bates. There's a very cute older couple of Sheriff and his wife, and she is the Sheriff's wife. Oh, I Misery is on my immediate list. I should probably watch it once it gets cold, because that movie like takes place during the winter, right? Yes. Um, a good friend of mine on her podcast said she thinks that I would like it, so I need to I need to watch it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I've heard. I, I've definitely heard. <laughs> She's also in The Mist from 2007, another horror movie, um, although it's been quite a while since I've seen it. So she plays the character Irene Repler. That doesn't mean anything to me right yeah. now. Um, Diego and I actually are like halfway through that movie right now. Like a couple weeks ago, he came out into the living room and started it. And then he just paused it and was like, I'm ready to go to bed. And then we, I was like, oh, in the middle of a movie. So it's funny that she, I, I just saw, we just started that movie. So I, <laughs> I bet, I, I bet she's one of the ladies in the grocery store. <laughs> Probably. And, uh, she's also in Raising Kane from 1992, which is a Brian De Palma thriller film where John Lithgow plays like a killer that has like two or three split personalities. She's his psychiatrist in that film. Um, she was also in an episode of the Simpsons, although she did not get to play herself. Oh, <laughs> poor Effie or um, Francis Dernhagen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's been in movies from the fifties up until the 2010s. So Chances are you have seen her from something if you were alive and watching TV and movies at that time. I'm fucking saying I, 1930. That is so crazy. She must have like the most amazing diet. She must have never smoked a cigarette in her goddamn life. <laughs> <laughs> How do you love to be that old? <laughs> um, Just luck, I guess. Um, did we want to talk about uh our friend uh sugar ray leonard yes so the gravedigger is played by sugar ray leonard who is a former boxer i think he won titles in five different weight divisions he's kind of like if you were to compare him to someone from the more modern era he'd be like an oscar de la hoya or a manny pacquiao like fighting in different weight classes and their popularity like extends beyond just boxing like people that people that didn't watch boxing knew who he was at mm -hmm. the time so i think he's been in other like movies and tv shows but not a ton of them and like that's not for anyway i think it says he has 16 acting credits uh some of them a john legend music video is one of them hey you gotta get him where you can get him you know yeah he's also in i spy <laughs> Oh well, I spy the Bernie Mac show on his on his list. I my parents watched the Bernie Mac show. I loved Bernie Mac. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, going. so it looks like he's just mostly in TV. Um, I I definitely recognize the name. I don't recognize anything that he was in. I recognize. I mean, the Bernie Mac show. I didn't watch it very much, but I wouldn't have recognized him from that show. Right. Um. So I. I guess I don't know if I've seen I feel like I've heard him mentioned, you know, like whenever people talk about pop culture things. Um, oh, my goodness. I saw my cat's reflection on our balcony. <laughs> I someone on our balcony. I was like, fuck. Um, 
So yeah, I recognize I recognize his name, but I, I definitely just didn't recognize him very much. Um, but was there anyone else that you want to talk about in uh, astrology? Yeah, uh, Henry oh. Gibson, who plays Stanhope, the yes. butler, has been in a ton of things. Um, he actually is in Gremlins too, in a non-speaking role, which seems <laughs> kind of weird because he's like has been in a ton of things, but he also was like one of the frequent collaborators with Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins. So I think mm. it was like, hey, we need someone to be in this. So you take this non-speaking part. Um, yeah, I mean, he has been in movies since like the 60s. He was, I think his first film was The Nutty Professor with Jerry Lewis. The so, Wedding yeah. Professor? The Nutty Professor? Oh, the, I thought you said The Nutting Professor. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> No, not not quite. <laughs> but he's also in like The Burbs, which is a, a movie that our friend Steve hates from Waxing the Porpoise. That's right. I need to that's another one that I need to watch. Um, but that's another Tom Hanks join, is it not? It is. Indeed. Um, I yeah, I definitely is that a horror movie or is it just a it's more of like a comedy first and a horror movie second. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I I did I did notice that Steve hated it. And even though I haven't seen it yet, for some reason, even I was like, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I need to watch it and form my own opinion, of course. So before Steve starts attacking, I don't even know if he's gonna listen to this, but before Steve starts coming after me. <laughs> yeah, gotta get out in front of it. Um, he's also in uh seven episodes of King of the Hill, which is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, yes, that's another show that I was like, I might want to check that out. But then I was also kind of like, mm, I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> if you live in Texas, you have to watch it. It's I... the most Texas TV show ever. So I guess I have to watch it. Yeah. Very. I used to be very Texas proud <laughs> back in the day. Um, well, that's super cool. King of the Hill. And uh, didn't someone like very important to that show recently pass away? Yes, Johnny Hardwick, the voice of Dale Gribble, passed away within the last few months. That is, that's really just, he was like one of the main, one of the main dudes, right? Yes, and also, I mean, Brittany Murphy and Tom Petty have been dead for a while, so it's like three pretty big characters from the show yeah. are dead. Might want to rethink rebooting it. Were they, were they about to? They're, they've been like in the process of it for a while i i mean i feel like it's one of those things where like there's no point in like complaining about reboots because they're kind of just inevitable at this point but at the same time i'm kind of like are we done <laughs> rebooting yeah. everything or is it is it just a thing to me maybe it's also just something where like things have been rebooted you know as long as entertainment has been around and it's just something that i'm noticing now that things from my generation are being rebooted uh yeah i think it's a combination of all of the above i mean in like the silent film era they would like remake movies two years after they came out because no one saw them the first time <laughs> so it, yeah it's definitely been going on for a long time but i think yeah you're probably noticing it more because you would you wouldn't have known that like i'm sure there was probably people when tales from the crypt came out they're like i can't believe they're remaking my childhood comic books it's gonna be terrible yeah but 
us that weren't alive in the 50s wouldn't have known that until later on yeah there are i mean like i didn't even realize that john carpenter's the thing is actually a remake correct yes like whenever i talk about i remember talking about john carpenter's the thing once about being like oh yeah like that was the original the thing because i saw the 2011 prequel Mm -hmm. and everyone was (laughs) like that's not the original dumbass (laughs) yeah although like Big fans of the thing like to say that John Carpenter's is not a remake. It's just another adaptation of the original short story who goes there. I don't, I think that's kind of just splitting hairs, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Which our friends at Waxing just covered that movie. Um, I'm in the process Mm -hmm. of that episode. It's pretty good so far. Um, Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I mean, like I like I said, I complain a lot about reboots, but there are some things. In fact, just recently, as like a couple weeks ago, I was talking about how maybe a reboot of Tales from the Crypt wouldn't be a bad thing. But I actually saw, I think uh, one of my friends in the Slack recently tagged me in an article where I guess basically there are, there has been talk about them trying to reboot Tales, but I guess there are some rights issues that they haven't been able to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and- I like... I haven't like looked into that, but I know that at one point Jordan Peele, both Jordan Peele and M night Shyamalan have tried to reboot it and they couldn't. And I assume that it's just a very like complicated rights thing because it's a comic book from the fifties, the -hmm. company that created it got sold off to someone else and the crypt keeper incarnation from the TV show doesn't actually exist in the comic book. So the rights for that character are owned by someone else mm-hmm. kind of like how in the 2019 child's play reboot they had to change like the appearance of chucky because they didn't have rights to that specifically uh, or mm-hmm. like the whole friday the 13th court case that's been going on mm-hmm. for like a decade of like who has the rights to jason Voorhees specifically so i think it's one of those types of things yeah man jordan peele and i guess that's why jordan peele ended up doing the twilight zone a few years back right did he want to do tales first i believe that's how it happened god damn it so we could have had jordan peele's because i because the the article that uh, my friend heidelberg shared with me um he shared it with me and the other two uh people who were on this podcast um Mm. I saw that M. Night Shyamalan had talked about doing a reboot, and I was like, you know what? They can keep their rights, because M. Night can't fucking touch Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> Fuck him. I know the twists are, like, his thing, but not with Tales from the Crypt. Oh, I just, I think he would be perfect for it. I mean, he'd just be the producer. He wouldn't be directing every episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. Um, I don't know. I'm... I'm an M Night hater. I don't care. I don't want him to profit off of it. <laughs> uh, but that's fair just... enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's like one of the things you would run a re- reboot because there's still probably hundreds of stories from the original run of comic books that haven't been adapted, and seeing what all these different horror directors or you know people that aren't into horror like Tom Hanks. Like the Timothy yeah. Chalamet can direct an episode. Oh my God. Okay. Actually. Yeah. If M Night can pull it out, I would actually be really into something like that. I mean, we had Arnold Schwarzenegger for um, yeah the, the second episode of season two. And that one, while that wasn't like the best episode, like that discussion that we had was so much fun, especially because he shows up in the crypt 
with the Crypt Keeper at the beginning, I'll never forget like the shock on my face. And I was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um so that whenever I saw that Tom Hanks directed this episode, I was like, man, why wasn't he in the crypt? <laughs> yeah, I can't really think of too many that are. Just Arnold and Whoopi Goldberg are the two that come to mind. Yeah, and then um, I think one of the producers was in, he was at the very end of one of the episodes last couple weeks ago. Um, that one was pretty funny. I can't remember exactly I don't even remember who it was, but he even says, like, this is my producer. And then he's like, I'm going to chop him up or some shit like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I remember Whoopi. Whoopi on the talk show. That was fucking awesome. I loved seeing that. Um, Jimmy Fallon directs. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um yeah, I mean, there's just like limitless possibilities of what they could do with it now, especially like a lot of the stories from the TV show were not actually like from Tales from the Crypt, but like mm -hmm. other comic books that were published by EC, like crime suspense stories, which is why there's so many of like the pulp fiction type things. But yeah. there's like a lot of like Tales from the Crypt ones that like take place during medieval times and have like way more interesting settings that I feel like if in this golden age of television and when people are willing to put money behind it, they could definitely do some really cool stuff with it. No, I agree. And like the set and costume design for some of these episodes are like, they're so good. Um, so I feel like, like you said, like if, if HBO was actually able to put something out for this, that'd be fucking awesome. Um, but um, did y'all have, or y'all, did you have anything else for astrology before we move on? Um, so I think I came up with a little thing that I thought might be interesting. Um, okay. which is like it for people, if you like this episode of tales from the crypt, I thought I'd suggest some movies that you might like because tales from the crypt is fun, but it is only like 20 to 30 minutes long. So they may, they may introduce a topic that you're like, that's really interesting, but they just didn't have the time to flesh it out. Mm -hmm. So I think if you like this episode, uh, you might also like the movie Bernie from 2011 with Jack Black and Matthew McConaughey, sort of a similar story about a guy in Texas, uh, killing an older woman for her money based on a true story. Very good, fun Jack Black performance for anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, the Stepfather from 1987, starring Terry O'Quinn. It's a slasher film about a guy who just moves from family to family, killing his wife, not in pursuit of money, but in pursuit of creating a perfect family. And as soon as he feels like his wife or his stepchildren aren't perfect, he kills them and creates a new identity and goes somewhere else. <laughs> and the last one is a movie called rent a pal from 2019 if you liked the retro video dating service aspect of this episode which i definitely did this is a movie about a guy who rents it's not a dating service but he goes to something called rent a pal where he has a videotape of will wheaton from star trek talking to him and pretending to be his friend very good movie yeah um <laughs> shit i um my boyfriend and i right now are watching um big bang theory and will wheaton uh is a very big part of that show because of his small role on um not small because of his role on uh star trek mm 
Um, so it's funny to hear Will Wheaton's name out in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, that movie does sound interesting, though. I think I heard a lot of people talking about it whenever it came out. Liked it a lot. Um, okay, well, yeah, no, that's actually really cool. I definitely want to check out... Um, man, I don't know if I could handle the stepfather, but I definitely <laughs> consider checking out some of those movies. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And also, thank you so much for helping me out with astrology. Absolutely. Um, always makes me happy to see someone who actually knows the shit that these people are in who <laughs> wants to talk about it because sometimes I read off the list and I'm like, huh, this one was in, um, this one was in a movie called psycho. I don't know anything about that one. You know, like, <laughs> not that's just me pulling something out of my butt, but you know what I mean? Like, and then like other people will be like, dude, you didn't mention this one. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Very cool. Well, this week, um, well, not this week, we're going to go ahead and move on into uh, creep yourself. What did you do this week, class, to creep yourself? <laughs> um, now comes the time where we all show and hell something that we treated ourselves to this week. Um, Chris, uh, do you want me to go first for this one? Yeah, you... you go oh, ahead. Very cool. Here, let me show you what I got. Um, oh. So ever since Barbie came out, I've started collecting some dolls. I'm kind of all like... I don't know. I It's something that I've wanted to do for a while, but I never felt... I was always like, adults don't collect Barbie dolls. Um, but then Barbie came out, and I was like, oh, well, people actually spend a lot of money on these things. Adults do whatever the fuck they want. Exactly. So I finally have just embraced... I, I'm like, I make my own money. I'm going to spend it how I like. So I've started to just embrace all the Barbies and the... I have little knickknacks all over the place. But um, my birthday was last Sunday... Um, so my, my best friend actually bought a doll for me. She got me the, um, I figured I'd show you since you're here. Happy she got me birthday. the, oh, thank you. Um, she bought me the 2023 holiday doll, which I thought was super nice and thoughtful. Um, it's super pretty. So golden, um, holiday. And holiday. Yes. The, uh, like the Christmas doll or whatever. Oh, and I gotcha. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they always have like a holiday doll of the year. And then this one is pretty cool. I'm actually really obsessed with this one. Um, so Mattel has like a line of dolls that are, they're called like Monster High. And they're basically like, I think they had a show called Monster High where they were like. Indeed they did. Characters based off of like old, you know, monsters or creatures. So like Dracula's daughter or like yeah. Frankenstein's son or whatever. Um, and they have a line called the Skelector line where they make dolls based off of like horror characters. Um, so I bought Annabelle um i actually I, I just love the design of it i think it's so cute and she comes with this little purse that's shaped like the chair that she sits in <laughs> um i just i think she's so adorable and like i don't know i just this is one that kind of got me into it and then since i was looking on my resale sites i haven't bought it yet but i was looking on resale sites for the annabelle doll i discovered that they made an elvira one um so that one's next on my list um elvira I've always liked Elvira because we share a birthday. So um, I'm always <laughs> like, that's my birthday twin claimed. Um, but I, I, I feel like Elvira and I personality wise, we share a lot of similarities. So um, yeah, so I, I'm pretty excited about those things. Um, and then I'm trying to think, oh yes. And then, so on my birthday, Diego and I went to go see Barbie in the movie theater. Well, no, Diego and I went and saw the dark Knight in the movie theater together. 
um because they were showing that and we both love that movie we both have seen it um Mm -hmm. always we always like getting a chance to see a movie that we love in the theater though so yeah i was pretty excited about that and then i took him home and then i went right back to the alamo draft house and my friend libby met me and we went and we saw barbie um which it was my second time seeing that movie but it was a lot more fun to see it with like one of my best friends because we were just like cackling in the back of the theater together it was so much fun um so that was a lot of fun um and then i bought mattel is doing a special pressing of the barbie album and it's gonna come with a barbie sized album so that way my barbie can have one too (laughs) So I pre-ordered that, but it's not shipping until like November. So I won't have it for a while, but I'm pretty excited um, to have that. But uh, that's basically what I creep myself to. Um, more Barbie yeah. dolls and Barbie related items. Um, Chris, did you creep yourself to anything this past week or couple of weeks? Um, Not really in terms of buying stuff. I've been traveling a lot recently, but not really anywhere that exciting i mean i did drive like 600 miles to go to dallas to eat at poncho's mexican buffet was that the only reason you went to dallas uh it was the only reason i went um i went with someone else who had reasons to be there but that's the only reason i went and you were like i might as well just tag along (laughs) yeah i mean it's probably been three years since i've been to texas and it's uh like i said it's on the verge of collapse so Chances are they're all be closed by the next time I go there. Yeah. Um, as you were describing the building, I was trying to think about if I've driven past that building at any point in time. Um, the one I, I was talking about, re- the one that I went to is in Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Because I've spent, I, I used to spend a lot of time in Fort Worth back whenever I lived in the DFW area. And I know you mentioned in your first episode of Mesquite Location. Um, yeah, there used to, there used to be one in Denton and Louisville and like oh, shit. everywhere so yeah right around where where i used to right around where i grew up basically um so i'm sure that i've seen the you know the restaurants themselves i just never really paid any attention to it and i probably looked at it and went panchos um <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that um that whole um if you're if you haven't um already checked out chris's podcast mount molehill i recommend you check out his episode on the hunt for the ponchos jingle um put a lot of work into that one (laughs) Um, yeah um i also went to el paso for the first time even though i lived in texas for a long time i never went there because it's like 12 hours away from dallas so it's like why would you go there Mm -hmm. um the reason i went is because there was going to be a band playing there and that was the closest to where i live that they were going to play they canceled like the day before the hotel was already locked in so we went to el paso anyway and on a whim we decided to walk across the border to mexico so i also went to mexico for the first time oh wow yeah we're i guess i so i went to juarez mexico through el paso once was that where y'all went yeah, and I will say for anyone who wants to walk into Mexico on a whim, don't because <laughs> it takes longer to get back into America than it's worth your time. So if you're just like, I'm going to go check it out for a few hours, don't do that because you'll be standing in line for like three hours to get back into America. Yep. Yeah, that. Oh, my God, that sounds miserable. 
Um, yeah. Especially because y'all weren't even, y'all didn't even have a car to sit in. Y'all were just standing. Yeah. We were just like, <laughs> oh, we'll check it out. And then it's very much like, you know, since it's right across the border, it's very much like any swap meet you've ever been to in Texas. So it wasn't like, oh, I've never seen this before. It's like, I've seen this a million times. Mm -hmm. I think you kind of have to get a little deeper into the country to get a better taste for it. Yeah. Um, well, but El Paso is still a really cool place, though. Um, yeah, it was there. interesting. Um, it's like a mix between texas new mexico and like south central los angeles it's just a very interesting <laughs> looking town yeah um what's the the college there utep that place is yep. huge um it's like a it's like a large majority of the entire city it felt like at least the part that i drove through also whenever i drove through there there was a dentist office with a carousel inside that was fucking crazy <laughs> Um, yeah, wow. And then after going to Mexico, we went back up into New Mexico and went to the Hatch Chili Festival, which was pretty fun. That does sound like fun. Did you eat a lot of chili? Yeah, we did. And they like teach you how to make ristras and there's just a lot of people selling chili focused goods there. That's so cool. I, I guess that's good for, I, I'm not a big chili person, but I know that chili is, there are a lot of people who love chili, especially down here in the South. So that does sound like a lot of fun for chili, people who are interested in chili. So, well, in New Mexico, the chili is not like a Texas chili. When they say chili, they just uh, mean peppers. I see. Um. Yeah, that's I I don't spend much time like outside of Texas, so everything to me is just <laughs> <laughs> everything is so bright and scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um okay, very cool. Did you creep yourself to anything else? Uh no, not really. That nothing I can think of. Sick El Paso trip and a sick Dallas trip. Yeah. Um, and a sick Mexico trip. <laughs> Maybe a not so sick Mexico trip. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. It was mostly just getting back. That was not fun. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, very cool. Well, we can go on ahead then and wrap it up there. Um, Chris, for anyone who's interested in checking out your podcast, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on all of the podcatchers that you use to listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify and whatnot. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Mount Molehill Podcast. That's the only social media I'm on. Um, by the time this episode comes out, I will also have been on another episode of Waxing the Porpoise, talking about uh, John Carpenter's 1987 film Prince of Darkness. Ooh. And also an episode of the Five Day Rentals podcast, talking about the 1998 Jean-Claude Van Damme film Knock Off with Rob Schneider. Oh, wow. So, both of those are a lot of fun, so definitely check those out. Yes, absolutely check those out. Check out his podcast. It is very cool. Um, feels very, it's like very niche, um, but it's so cool how at the beginning of the episode, you ask yourself a question and then you just like dive headfirst into researching it. Um, so that's, that's Thank really you. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, Chris, hopefully you'll want to come back to Lulish University. At Absolutely. Sure. Um, this was a lot of fun. Um, for anyone who would like to um, reach us, reach, I was about to say reach out to us, reach out to us. You can email us at ghoulishuniversity at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at ghoulishuni, Instagram at ghoulishuniversity. And um, go on ahead and make sure to study up for next week's episode, season four, episode two. This will kill you. Um, anything else for the class before we dismiss, Chris? Uh, no. all right very cool well uh thank you for coming on and thanks to everyone else for listening in you guys have a good rest of your week goodbye bye